Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. We're celebrating some cracking superhero cartoons as we look back at the Fantastic Four and Thundercats. Yes, finally talking about Thundercats and I've got quite a bit to say about this cartoon. And we take a special look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We'll talk all about these four radical turtles and why we all love them so much. Heroes in a half shell, turtle power. So let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just um, I've been late in sending my notes to myself so I can read them on the, on the screen rather than on my phone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, uh, it's been a long week and uh, glad to be doing this now. So uh, I just hope the internet doesn't cut off again. That'll just, that'll just sum it up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> sum up a hell of a week, just the internet cutting off. But um, we'll get, we'll get started right away. And we're going to start with Thundercats. Let's go. So this uh, cartoon first appeared on our screens in September 1985, again. Obviously, uh, newer listeners, this will be uh, new for you, but obviously OG listeners, you probably know what happened in September 1985, 1986, 1987, all of them. But uh, yeah, stop me if you think you've heard this one before. The wreck of the RMS Titanic is located by a joint American-French expedition led by Dr. Robert Ballard and Jean-Louis Michel using a side-scan sonar from RV Noor. Super Mario Bros. is released for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Kalina, the first captive orca born at SeaWorld as well as the first to survive past infancy, is born at SeaWorld Orlando. Invasion USA is in the cinemas and uh, Dancing in the Street by uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger was uh, number one in the charts. I love that song. Yeah, I, I like that song too. It's so cheesy, but it's so fun as well. Yeah, I, I think it was a Motown song and they just did a kind of cover. But, I, I, you know, them, them two, it was great. Good stuff. So, yes, we are talking about Thundercats. So this was an American media franchise featuring a fictional group of cat-like humanoid aliens. The characters were created by Tobin Ted Wolf and originally featured in an animation TV series named Thundercats, which was animated by Japanese studio Pacific Animation Corporation and co-produced by Rankin-based Animated Entertainment. There were also several comic books produced so the thundercats comic book series based on the animated series was originally published by marvel comics through its star comics imprint in 1985 lasting for three years and 24 issues during this time a new series was published by marvel uk consisting of 129 issues and was also published for three years and beginning in 2002 thundercats titles were published by wildstorm productions an imprint of DC Comics, and included five non-canon miniseries and several one-shots. In 2012, Panini Comics began publishing a new series in the United Kingdom to tie with the television series of 2011. 
The first issue featured a strip called Safe Haven, which was written by Ferg Handley and drawn by Cosmo White. There was even a film adaptation of the series that was that was announced in June 2007. Aurelio Haro was making a CGI animated feature film of Thundercats based on the script written by Paul Sopocasi. Soposi. Soposi, that's it, yeah. Jerry O'Flaherty, veteran video game and art director, they all signed on. The film was planned to be produced by Spring Creek Productions, set for a summer 2010 release, but the movie has since been put on hold. And yeah, so the TV series, so Thundercats follows the adventures of the eponymous team of heroes who are cat-like on a planet called Third Earth. The series plot begins with the dying planet Thundera meeting its end, forcing the Thundercats, a sort of, and they're obviously Thunderian nobility of some sort, to flee their homeland. The fleet is attacked by Thunderian enemies, mutants of Plundar, who destroy most of the starships in the Thunderfleet, but spare the flagship, hoping to capture the legendary Mystic Sword or the Omens that they believe is on board. And the sword holds the Eye of Thundera, the source of the Thundercat's power, which is embedded in the hilt. Through the mutants damage the flagship, the power of the Eye drives them back. The damage to the ship means the journey to their original destination is not possible. Instead, having to journey to Third Earth, which is basically Earth, and it will take longer than they had anticipated. The eldest of the Thundercats, Jaga, volunteers to pilot the ship while the others sleep in capsules. However, he dies of old age in the process, but not before ensuring that they will reach their destination safely. While the Thundercats awake from their suspended animation on Third Earth after 10 Galacto years, Lion-O discovers that his suspension capsule has slowed rather than stopped his aging. He has now become essentially a child in the body of an adult. Together, the Thundercats and the friendly natives of Third Earth construct the Cat's Lair, their new home and headquarters. But before long, the mutants have, been, have tracked them down to Third Earth. And the intrusion of these alien races upon the world does not go unnoticed. However, as a demonic mummified sorcerer calling himself Mumra recruits the mutants to aid him in his campaign to acquire the Eye of Thundera and destroy the Thundercats so that his evil may continue to hold sway over Third Earth. And in January 2009, IGN named Thundercats as the 49th best show in the top 100 best animated TV shows. A new Thundercats animated series produced by Warner Bros. Animation began airing on Cartoon Network in July 2011. Animated production was provided by Japanese animation studio for Four Degrees. Sam Register was the exec producer and was joined by Michael Jelenic and Ethan Spaulding as the producers for the series. The show explains Lionel's ascension to the Thunderian throne with a more original feel and darker style than the 1980s series. The new series made it clear in the very beginning, however, that they are not adhering to the original storyline. In the original series, the Thundercats leave Thundera as the last of their race to eventually arrive on the third Earth. In the new series, the very first line states that the Thunderians are already on the Third Earth as the first few episodes progress the new writers to use Thundera, but it isn't clear if they're referring to a planet or kingdom. Some characters 
So there was obviously Jaga, who's known as Jaga the Wise and is based on the Jaguar. The Elder Warrior was once regarded as the mightiest and greatest of all Thundercats by Lionel himself. In his youth, Jaga was the Lord of the Thundercats. Lionel is the leader and the hereditary Lord of the Thundercats. Based on the lion, he wields the legendary Sword of Omens, which is able to fire bolts of energy and allows Lionel to see across great distances with its power of sight beyond sight. Panthro is the next noble and greatest warrior after Jaga, and based on the brilliant panther, even though a warrior in all forms of Thundercats martial arts fighting, Panthro has a brilliant mind which he uses as the chief mechanic and engineer and pilot for the Thundercats. Tigra is a staunch, level-headed warrior based on the tiger. Tigra is known as the Thundercat architect and scientist. He is the one Lionel often turns to as second-in-command and for counsel. Cheetara is a female warrior based on the cheetah. She is the only adult female Thundercat until the later appearance of Pumra. She is as lovely as she is brave and caring, often a voice of reason. She is also the bearer of a budding sixth sense, detecting when something is unsafe or if evil is near. Wily Kit and Wily Cat are twin siblings, Cat being the older brother and Kit as the younger sister, where both of them are based on the Wildcat. They are jointly referred to as Thunder Kittens by the other characters, although technically they are older than Lionel. In the original series, Cat appears to be the equivalent to a human that is 12 years of age. They are the mischief makers and often have their own lessons to learn alongside Lionel. The Snarfs are a race of intelligent cat-like creatures that are plump, fuzzy, and kind. Snarfs are native to Thundera, living in the Valley of Snarfs, and many of their numbers act as servants to Thunderian nobility, happily working as cooks, nursemaids, squires, and so forth. When Thundera was destroyed, 49 Snarfs were able to commandeer a mutant tanker and made their way to an uninhabited planet, which they took as their own, dubbing it the Planet of the Snarfs. And obviously, Mumra is the chief villain and antagonist of the Thundercats. The demon priest Mumra is the self-proclaimed ever-living source of evil on Third Earth, having powers of sorcery and apparently unlimited lifespan. So, Thundercats! Oh! So this was... um. If I remember rightly, this was uh, the first interview, Brother Ismail's favourite cartoon, right? Yes. Yeah. He said. Um, yeah, so I think I think I'd got this kind of confused with um, He-Man a little bit in my head. How? I think because, you know, like the whole holding the sword up and a power comes and this and that and the other. Well, one's called Thundercats. They're cats. <laughs> yeah, and also I think that I'm sure the He-Man insignias is similar. I don't know if they're similar or not, but obviously they are called Thundercats. He managed just one dude. Um, yeah, so um, Thundercats uh, was... I, so basically, I was watching this for the first time. Obviously, I knew of it. I knew what they looked like. Um, uh, but basically, I was watching this fresh. And I have to say, this was quite a cool cool show. Um I mean, Snarf was a little bit irritating, but apart from that, it, <laughs> but apart from that, it was um, it was a um, it was a pretty cool show, and I can see why it was very popular. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you were saying yeah, um, Ismail South, 
Shout out to him. He yeah, he remember was telling me about Thundercats because I think yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'd heard of it, but I'd never really seen it. And he wasn't the only one. So many people were like, "Oh my god, Thundercats, 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 Thundercats! It's amazing! It's amazing!" I will say it's good, but I don't think it lived up to the hype that people were saying. So it was one of those where they were bigging this up, saying how good Thundercats was. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was amazing, and I and 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 as much as I liked it, I didn't love it. I mean, the thing is, it, it was basically the story of Superman, wasn't it? Like, but with a couple more survivors. So someone comes and comes to the planet. They flee the planet, and you know, then they end up on Earth as superheroes. So it's basically Superman's story. I mean, I didn't see why because uh, what was his name? Um, Jag- Jagger said like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll st- I'll save everyone. I'll be the make sure nothing's going to go wrong." And then all he does is wait a long time and impress autopilot and then dies. <laughs> you know, I was thinking that. He didn't do much. I mean, it would have been worse. I mean, if it had just like gone autopilot and gone straight into the sun, <laughs> it would have been a complete well, way. I don't know. Yeah, he just, yeah, he was just like, yeah, I will sacrifice everybody. Uh, it, it's too dangerous to put it on autopilot. He said that, didn't he? I'm sure he said that it was too dangerous to put it on autopilot. I think he said it's too too dangerous to put on autopilot for so long. Maybe to be fair, because obviously uh, we don't know how many um, years they were on that thing. Like they were on there for, well, they were traveling for light years. Um, obviously, that's a measure of distance, not time. But we can assume if they weren't traveling. At yeah, the maybe speed he of was light. on there for a really long time and then thought, you know what, sod it, for the last leg of the journey, I'll put it on autopilot. I would have just risked it, wouldn't you? Rather than just stay on my own for the rest of my life. Well, I don't know. He he was going to die anyway. That's, that was the whole point of him doing all of that because he was going to die. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to at least try and do something good. I'm going to drive it half of the way and then autopilot can see them to uh, the third earth. I, I'm pretty sure I've had Thundercats toys when I was younger, even though... I didn't know what they were. Maybe my dad was like, oh, you'll like these, and I'd play with the toys or something. But I mean, the sword was really cool. I liked the sword. Um, to be honest, there wasn't actually much to not like about the show. It was it was kind of exciting show, like uh, swords and magic and fighting baddies and stuff. It was very basic, but it was just like, I can see why it was popular, because it, there's literally not much to not like, but apart from the length of the episodes, that was they were quite long. Yeah, I was gonna, I was just about to say, and uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can see why it's kind of gained uh, a cult status. I can see why people gravitated towards it. There's a lot of um, moving parts and a lot of tangibles that you can kind of hold on to and take away from from Thundercats. But yeah, I, I thought I thought yeah, I thought it did drag on a little bit as well. I thought it was a, a tiny bit too long. I wish I had more time though, because I only managed to watch um, one episode of each. So one two thousand eleven, one two I didn't get to watch two thousand eleven. Uh, it was quite. Time. It was quite good. Um, but yeah, I just wish I had a little bit more time to um, to kind of uh, 
really, really watch it, you know. And also, like, I think through the first episode of Thundercats, um, my son was, like, pulling me around the front room, like, let's go and play with the ball. Let's go and colour in. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so like, he was a fan of Thundercats then. Yeah. Um, so I think we can, yeah, we could say it's, it was... Theme tune? I'm going to need to listen to it again. I mean, I can kind of say it's, it's okay because a lot of people talked about how good the theme tune is. But I don't know. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was... Uh... I remember the reboot being really good. I think it was the same, but just like redone kind of thing. I actually listened to that, but um, I didn't... I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about the theme song, if I'm being... Uh, if I'm being honest. It's no Bertha, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit... I was just listening to it just now. I mean, it's... It's got that kind of like, okay, let's go. I mean, it sounds a little bit like, do you remember a show called, as you know, because I think you were like this um, uh, BBC guy at this point, but uh, a show called Nightmare that had like the best intro to anything ever. Nightmare? Yeah, with a K-N. I've never heard of that in my life. Uh, so basically, um, this is, uh, we have have to do this show. It's, it's basically, uh, it's a game show where uh, it uses like CGI and you had to put on this like helmet the kids like put on a helmet and then like the other kids had to guide them around a dungeon and they have to go through like traps and stuff like that. But anyway, they made a game of it and the game was amazing. It had the same theme tune. Theme tune is incredible. Um, I'll, I'll look forward to you doing that if we ever get around to doing the show. All right. I'll, uh, I'll uh, put it on the list. So uh, let's talk about episodes that we watched. Right. So mine's going to be quite short here. So I watched episode one and one. Um, so can I go first with one? Because it's going to be quite short. Lino's watching. Uh, so basically, do you know like the bit in Star Wars where he's like where he brings Princess Leia to uh, Darth Vader brings Princess. I'm not Leia. really a, a Star Wars fan, so you'll just have to explain. I mean, I I I probably know it. I've probably seen the scene, but I, I couldn't remember it. Okay, so basically, um, Princess Leia is captured by the baddies, right? The Empire, and Darth Vader says, right, he wants her to tell them where the Empire bases. Sorry, the uh, the Rebel bases, and he's like, right, I tell you what. If you don't tell me, I'm going to blow up your home planet. And he's got the Death Star and it's like super powerful and it can blow up entire planets. So he shows her and he blows up her home planet. And it's like, oh my God, that's really bad. Anyway, so going back to Thundercats. Lionel's dad. Or no, not dad. It's the Who's the leader guy? Not Jaga. No, it's not Jaga. The other guy. Lionel. No, the other guy. Lionel's dad. But I think it's Lionel's dad, but I don't think it is. Jaga. The king. The, the king. Jaga. I'm sure it's not him, is it? Anyway, yes, he... of course it's him. The guy that dies in the pilot. Yeah, him. I'm, sure, I'm sure it wasn't him. His okay, name yeah, is so Jagger. So he, he, comes, he says, like, get Lionel. Come here. He needs to see what's happening now. And he takes him to the front of the ship and he shows him that his home planet's just been destroyed. Like, it's just like, he's like, look at that. Look, he goes. And I was like, are you, the, are you Darth Vader? Because um, you're like kind of blowing stuff up in front of people. Um, anyway, so basically... As I said before, Superman sort of thing. They're they're they've they're running away, own planet's destroyed. Um, Snuff's a cat, and he's kind of Snuff is like this little quippy, like always wants appreciation, but no one, everyone kind of ignores him. I don't think anyone actually talks to him apart from Lino the whole show. Um, anyway, so Jugger's explaining about the sword, the sword of omens, and the um the eye of Thundera, and um, and then just after that, the, these mutants come from Hunda. And they attack the ship, and they kind of best everyone. But then um, old um, Lionel gets the sword, and it's like, oh, look, the sword's working now. And he kind of bashes everybody up. And the ship is damaged, so they have to go to Earth. They kind of, like, do a sweep, and they're like, oh, look at this puny galaxy. 
basically shown our galaxy. Um, basically, they have to go, they have to go, but to get there, they have to go in suspension capsules because it's like light years away. Um, Jagger decides to um, that was just talking about. He he sacrifices himself to put the autopilot on the very last second, and then they all wake up kind of in Earth. Snuffs the first to wake up. He wakes up Lino. Lino's now an adult because the aging process is slowed but not stopped. And uh, literally right behind them, the mutants come, um, which I was a bit like, come on, give them a break. Like, give them a couple of days to settle in. Because uh, during the, when the ship comes down, the sword falls down, and then Lino starts to fight the baddies when they come, And because Snuff's already found the sword. Um, the Eye of Thundera gives sight beyond sight. Uh, mutants retreat. Snarf doesn't get a credit. So basically, they, uh, Lino's all big and strong, and he smashes up the people. And now he's a self-proclaimed leader of the... Um, I'm not sure if it's self-proclaimed, but it feel, felt a lot like it was self-proclaimed leader of the... Um, well, Gang. I think he was anointed, wasn't he? At the beginning, that's why he was showing him. Yeah, I know, but it just kind of like... He was a kid when that happened, and then like the next day, he's like, I'm the leader now, and, it's, and everyone's a bit like... No, he is. He's not doing anything wrong. I'm, 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 I'm not going to chastise him for that. He's, it's his rightful role. Yeah, I mean, all right, he can have it, but it didn't feel right. That's all I'm saying. But if he is the next in line, then he's the next in line. He could be five years old. He could be 50 years old. Yeah, I guess. You, uh, if you next in line, you next in line. Fair play. Um. Yeah, the, by the way, it was called Exodus. And uh, part two was the uh, Unholy Alliance. I will. I will sum up what happens in all of the other series because i managed to make notes on all of those so um season two it was uh revealed that the evil wizard mumra survived i think there was some big thing that happened and he survives and thundercats ho and its follow-up mumra lives set the pattern for the following three seasons each of which began with a five mini part series again written by leonard star that established the new characters and concept that will go on to influence the rest of the season. In the case of Momra Lives, these concepts included the debut of the villainous Lunatacks, which became a third faction that existed for the rest of the series. And the new team of Thundercats from Thundercats Ho receiving their headquarters. Um, yeah, I watched Fond Memories, which I now believe was from season one. I could just talk about that quickly. So, um, Mamra is trying to lure Lyono, and he's assembling all the bad guys, and he believes that the vanity of the Thundercats, and because he's vain, it will lure him. And so he is assembling Sly, who has the power of mind-bending, and he's got the gas grenade. Spidera is the queen of eight legs. Safari Joe, the biggest game hunter earth has ever seen and ratano or something with that kind of name he's the greatest of mutant warriors so he disguises himself as uh, dr dome and you've got snarf somewhere out there looking for thundrillion and dr dome is inviting Lionel to an exhibition but snarf is quite wary he's like i'm not sure snarf 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 and what whatever he does Going, yeah, I'm I'm worried about this. And obviously, and then Lionel, he walks into the trap. And first off, he's being shot at by a Safari Joe. 
he manages to overcome him and then he faces the rat and the rat has him trapped in a circle and all of a sudden he's like wow i'll see you around god i hate when they do that it's become the biggest bugbear of doing this thing doing these shows oh is that the fire let's get burnt and all of those like t-shirt words lines. and yes as you famously coined it t-shirt t-shirt lines um and then all of the other thundercats are coming in and the kids wily kit and wily cat i think they're called they get um trapped by a uh, safari joe the rest of them are trying to go into the spider pick and Lion-O is battling Dr. Dome, who ends up disguising as Lion-O. And Lion-O wins the battle because he knows how Lion-O thinks. And he manages to get the others out of the pictures. Season three. So it began with Thunder Cubs, which though named for its plots about Thundercats being transformed into children, was principally about Mumra reconstructing Thundera in order to retrieve both the weapon that had originally destroyed it, the, th- the Sword of Plunder, and the legendary treasure of Thundera. In the course of the adventure, the treasure containing the Book of Omens, a tome holding all of the secrets of the Thundercats, and many other mystical items were scattered across the new Thundera, ushering a new concept for the series, a season with an actual story arc, Continuity between episodes became tighter as the Thundercats, Mutants, and Lunatacks and Mumra alternated their adventures between Third Earth and New Thundera, searching for the treasure and exploiting its powers. The season featured the running theme of the ancient spirits of evil having to take more active hand in pushing Mumra into action, culminating in another unique feature of the season, an actual finale episode. And uh, I watched one episode from season three, Chain of Loyalty. And so they're basically uh, deciphering the Book of Omens, or they're trying to decipher it, and they're finding it incredibly tough. And so they see a picture of themselves, which is the Chain of Loyalty. And if it breaks, it breaks the Thundercats. And Jaga appears to Lionel going, you must find this Chain of Loyalty. And so they have to go to Thundera to get the chain. Mumra wants to uh, stop them, so he is transforming, and I think he makes it first, and he kidnaps the Snarf person that's on that particular planet, and then he transforms as Egbert Snarf, who was living in Thundera, and so the Thundercats are basically telling the fake Snarf about the chain of loyalty and how important it is for them to look for it. And obviously he's like, yeah, 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 sure. I'm going to look for it. No problem. And so they're splitting up and looking for the chain. And yeah, so uh, Egbert, the fake Egbert, discovers the chain and he comes out of his disguise. And now Mumra has the chain of loyalty. Lionel is fighting him and he um, breaks the chain. So it starts with Kit and Cat, Wily Kit and Wily Cat, who start fighting amongst themselves and they turn on Lionel and then he's seeing the uh, other Thundercats fighting one another and so he's basically trying to stop them and then they're like oh we want to get you and they're trying to basically attack him and he's like you know what fine I'm gonna try and trap each and every one of you 
And Panthro is like, right, this is you. I'm going to get you, Lionel. It's the last thing I do. And he's thinking everyone's an enemy. Lionel manages to subdue them all. He gets the sword and he manages to fix his chain. And the Thundercats are back together. And then finally, season four, the Thundercats return to New Thundera to rebuild their society. But before departing, they destroyed Mumra's pyramid. This enraged the ancient spirits of evil to the point that they brought Mumra back and installed him within a new pyramid on New Thundera. The season proved to be quite divorced from what had gone from before, with adventures consigned almost entirely to New Thundera and most villainous opposition coming from either Mumra or assorted new villains. So uh, take it away with the uh, 2011 Thundercats. Well, my first one is first notice that it's a cool intro. So, I mean, it's worth probably checking out that that new intro sequence. Um, so, so basically, like you said, this is set on Third Earth um, instead of being set on Thunder and then Third Earth. So, um, it's kind of like their kingdom kind of thing. And this one definitely has a leader, but I don't know who it is. So, basically, Lionel's doing this like Aladdin type thing where, um, well more like princess jasmine where he's she do you know when she descends into the market and she's pretending to be a normal person he's kind of doing that and he's and he's um just like chilling out in a marketplace and then these guys like kind of these muggers kind of attack him then this woman called cheat cheat cheatara cheatara i think comes and bashes him up and he's like oh you saved me um and then when they find out he's a prince the other people run off uh, so he goes to the palace, um, and this is where, and basically his dad's like, come in, I'm going to teach you um, what's going on with the Sword of Omens. And it's not Jagger this time. Jagger's kind of the advisor. This is like a, another guy. And and then he basically beats up him with the, beats uh, beats up um, Lionel with the Sword of Omens and says, like, this is what happens when you know how to use it. And he's like, wow, and all the magic's coming out. And he's like, bash, 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 bash. Um and then, so Lionel sees the destruction of the Eye of Thundera. Um, so he sees their destruction on with the Eye of Thundera when he holds the sword, but he doesn't say anything to anyone. He has, like, a vision. And apparently not everyone that wields the sword has the sight upon sight. No, what's it called? Sight beyond sight, sorry. Um, uh, and the next day, people come to attack the city, but it's not really an attacker. It's someone that's been um, on a kind of voyage, and he's and then uh, someone called Panthor has died on the way on this uh, mission. And But he's got loads of kind of gems with him, like massive, huge, like kind of like ore of gems. Um, then his little kids are kind of like playing in the um, in the market and they've robbed this bad guy. And they're, they're, they're kind of these like urchin type kids. Uh, and the reptiles tell... Are basically so the reptiles or the mutants kind of baddies are more like a race of people and they're in the stocks in this place so like um and people are kind of throwing stuff and then lino kind of talks to them he says like and they said we're only in here because you people are living so large and you're not le- you're not giving leaving anything for the rest of us um and then kind of lino's like oh crap maybe we're not as good as we think we are kind of thing uh, so basically there's this competition bit. I don't really understand this bit. So there's a bit of a co- kind of competition bit and he loses to his brother 
Uh, Snarfenlion is sad. He needs to prove himself. And so he decides that he's going to go look for the Book of Omens. Um, Jagger comes in and tells him that only one will have the sight beyond sight. So he, And Jagger's basically telling him, look, I know you saw something, um, but you don't have to say just yet. And then the urchin kids come and say, going to, they're going to Eldora or something to look for the Book of Omens as well. Lionel tries to save the, the lizard mutant things. Uh, and ends up like, annoying the whole village, and then they have a massive fight, and then um, his brother comes, and then so does Ch- uh, Ch- Cheetah, Ch- Ch- Chetra, whatever her name was. Um, she comes and helps fight as well. Uh, then Lionel wants to release the lizards. The king lets the king decides to let them go, um, but tell him that he, now you need to start taking your prince responsibilities seriously. Um, and then when it shows the gem that Almighty brought back, and it's kind of like going like this evil kind of gem. So there's something about that. But anyway, that was the end of the first episode. And I have to say that it was actually a pretty good episode. It was pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed the reboot. I thought it was very successful. Like sometimes you can ruin the essence of something um, by obviously rebooting it. But I don't think they, they did. I think it was pretty cool. The theme song sounds exactly the same as the one oh. in 85. No, it's re. But well, no, no, no. I'm saying that they redid it though. It's not the same. The intro, they've redone it. They might have remastered it. Yeah, but but that's it sounds, about it. But it sounds better. I thought it sounded exactly the same. I couldn't tell them apart. I I listened to them side by side, and they were pretty cool. So I mean, I'm, I it's it's quite catchy, but it's not it's not it's not going to make my top five theme songs. Put it that way. <laughs> Nothing's beating Bertha, I tell you that. Um, so uh, yeah, last last words about Thundercats. I'm glad I watched it. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, very much like Superman. I'm not sure if I could shake that kind of idea in my head. Um, not sure what came first. I'm guessing Superman. Um, uh, but yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a decent, it was a pretty decent show. Um, I can see why it had the cult status with the insignia and the sword and things like that. The sword very exciting, but yeah, I can see why. Yeah, me too. It was a it was a pretty decent cartoon in the end, and uh, yeah, good job, guys. Good job. Now we're going on to the Fantastic Four. So this uh, first uh, the cartoon came on our TV screens in uh, September 1994, and some of the things happening in the world. Russia and the People's Republic of China agree to detarget their nuclear weapons against each other. The 1994 World Series is officially cancelled due to the ongoing work stoppage. It is the first time a World Series will not be played since 1904. Britain lifts the broadcasting ban imposed on Sinn Féin and paramilitary groups from Northern Ireland. Pulp Fiction was in the cinemas. And Always by Bon Jovi was in the charts. I love Bon Jovi. So the Fantastic Four, obviously this was the third animated TV series based on Marvel's comic book series of the same name. In the early to mid-1990s, Genesis Entertainment and New World Entertainment syndicated a new Fantastic Four animated series as part of the Marvel Action Hour weekend block, later renamed Marvel Action Universe with the addition of another show. The first of the half hour was an episode of Iron Man, second half was an episode of Fantastic Four. And during the first season, Stan Lee was featured speaking before each show about characters in the following episode and what had inspired him to create them. Most episodes in the first season consisted of fairly accurate retelling and reinterpretation 
of classic 1960s Fantastic Four comic book series by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. For instance, the series stayed true to the original comic book story that recounted the Silver Surfer and Galacticus's coming to Earth in a two-part episode, as well as Doctor Doom's theft of the Surfer powers. However, the season's cost-effective campaign and attempts to add humour through the inclusion of a fussy British landlady for the Fantastic Four were generally met with displeasure by fans. To say nothing of then-current Fantastic Four comic book writer Tom DeFalco, who got in trouble for penning a scene in an issue of the series that featured Ant-Man watching and lambasting an episode of the cartoon. Both the Fantastic Four and Iron Man series were radically retooled for the second season, sporting new opening sequences, improved animation, and more mature writing, though noticeably having fewer introductions by Stan Lee, with several of the new shorter intros being used more than once. Not only that, Four Freedom Plaza replaced the Baxter Building as the Fantastic Four's home base in Season 2, and Season 2 episodes also drew up on John Byrne's 1980s run on the Fantastic Four comic. The Black Panther appears in The Prey of the Black Panther. He lures the Fantastic Four to Wakanda to see if they are worthy enough to help fight Claw. As in the comics, Claw's history of killing T'Chaka is included, as well as T'Challa's using Claw's own weapon on his right hand. According to Tom Tataranowitz, sorry if I said your name wrong, had there been a third season of Fantastic Four, he would have wanted to go into the whole Sue Storm pregnancy story arc. In Tataranowicz's eyes, this would have given the production crew a chance to do their own take on the Submariner as he played into the arc of the Fantastic Four issues leading up to and around issue 100. And he also wanted to bring Medusa and She-Hulk into the mix as part of the Fantastic Four. Some of the characters, so Mr. Fantastic's Mr. Fantastic or Reed Richards, Invisible Woman is Susan Storm. Human Torch is Johnny Storm. Thing is Benjamin. And you had the Puppet Master, Warlord Krang, Super Skull, Doctor Doom, and Alicia Masters, who was the uh, stepdaughter of the Puppet Master. So, Fantastic Four. I forgot that the um, Fantastic Four, they were in the, the, the Black Panther cartoon as well, weren't they? When we did Black Panther, yes. I remember them now. Now I that you say they it. were, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure I watched this as a kid. Um, uh, I, I quite liked all of the Marvel superhero shows back in the day. Um, I mean, this time around, I was a bit like it's a bit. I mean, someone that calls himself Mister Fantastic, don't you just want to punch him in the face? No, because he didn't choose that name. They chose it for him. So he's like, all right, dang, I'm going to take it. What do you yeah, want? He's like, yeah, all right, okay, I'll be called Mr. Fantastic. I'm pretty fantastic. What, what can you, what, what's your superpower? I can stretch. That's a hell of a good superhero thing to have. You can go through tiny holes. You can go through areas. You can spring. I mean, that's true. I mean, I, I wouldn't pick stretchiness, though. As a superhero, would you? A superpower, you might not. You? Obviously, you might not pick because you might want to pick fly or super strength or be invisible. But like being like how he is, that's a slept-on superpower. You are fantastic, damn! If you can do that, if you can, 
spring from one place to another. You could be a bouncy ball. You could be like a, a stretchy stretch and you can fit through tiny holes. It's you great. Kid, you can get kids to grab hold of your arms and stretch you out on a Christmas morning and then never it's play great. you again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, fantastic for... I mean, it's Marvel, isn't it? It's great. Like, um, But I think as a kid, I, I loved this so much. As an adult, I was not so much. It was harder to watch as an adult. Um, and I'm not really sure why. I think because it was more self-aware and it kind of knew a little bit more what it was doing. But I, yeah, I, I, I didn't feel it this as much this time around. I am the complete opposite. I knew that this cartoon was a thing. I just didn't watch it because I wasn't really into superheroes and comic books. I wasn't that kind of kid. But I watched the 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 two pilot episodes, and I I I was like, you know, I really like this. I I I I saw what it was about. I thought it was funny. I thought it was um, pretty good. How they were all coming together. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun cartoon. It was very easy to watch. I, I wasn't. I didn't find myself clock watching on this one. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously I've seen the movie as well. I've seen the um, movie, like the real live action one, and I really liked that. I liked that, but I just. I'm not sure what it was about the cartoon that I just didn't like. I mean, I'd, I think it's mostly Mr. Fantastic. I didn't like him. I don't know why. Let me see eye to eye. Um, not sure. What no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not really sure why. But um, no, I'm watching it. I, 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 I thought it was pretty fun. I liked the first season theme song. Apparently, not many people liked the the first sort of season. That's why I think they wanted to kind of um change it up a little bit for the uh, the second series. But I don't know. I I I I really liked it. I I found it quite charming. I found it funny. I liked thing. He was making me laugh. I liked the theme song. I liked it a hell of a lot better than Thundercats. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should have. And that's a bit not more, to say but... that Thundercats was bad. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, it had a lot of things that were really good on it. I don't know why it just didn't. I didn't quite click with it this time. I mean, it was really good. It was. Um. Right, let's talk about um, episodes then. Right, again, so maybe I should have watched a bit more, but I only watched the first two pilot episodes. So yeah, the like origin of the Fantastic Four Part One. Yeah, I watched those two. Right, so I, and unfortunately, my notes. I've I've watched it, but I didn't manage to um, finish my notes off on the second episode. So it starts off, and um, they're they're in this kind of chat show, and it's like a. I think they're raising money for a book. It's a telethon. Yeah, so like um, they're trying to. They've got a book to sell, and they're, and they're kind of on a chat show selling it. And they've got they're on the story. Dick Clark Scholarship Telethon. Yeah, I mean, I was a bit like, I like that. I like that. They're all it, sitting okay. there. <laughs> it's Gra- a Fantastic Four. I like that. That was Granted, great. It was a different. It was the thing is, it's a couple of things. So first of all, it was different. It's a different style of TV show because it's like we are the Fantastic Four. And second of all, it's different because people know who the superheroes are right normally superheroes trying to hide so this is kind of a new thing anyway so they'll tell a story about how they're on a they decide that, he, that he's going to go to space mr fantastic's like i've seen this thing moving moving quicker than the speed of light i'm going to go and check it first of all if it's moving quicker than the speed of light you won't be able to see it right that's just a fact if it's moving quicker than the speed of light you can't see it it's impossible anyway so he goes up in a spaceship and sees it and then the cosmic rays hit the ship and it all kind of like makes the ship go destroyed. Oh, hang on a minute. I've missed a bit at the beginning where they're fighting underwater um, in some weird 
they find a fish man underwater. Uh, and anyway, then they're on the assumption, and then they go up into space. Um, uh, the spaceship comes crashing down to Earth when it gets like kind of gets destroyed by the um, uh, cosmic rays, which were linked were mixed up with something else. And so Sue's the invisible woman, and then Thing turns into Thing. What's his name? What's his name? Rob? Rob? Ben? Ben? Ben turns into the Thing. Um, I've forgotten his name. Uh, John Jonathan turns into Mr. Human Torch, and then Reed Richards turns into Mr. Fantastic. Now that is my least favorite name for a superhero ever, ever, ever. Um, so anyway, so they kind of like they have these like powers, and they decide that they they need to go get a house. When they're on the way to this house, is this geezer, and he's like trying to jump off. By the way, I've missed out all the bits that go back to the chat show because I didn't really click with that so if you want to add in the um the bits where they go to the chat show again that'd be my guess but i've I've kept those out so there's this geezer and he's on a roof and he's going to jump off and everyone's around and they decide to use their superpowers to rescue him and but he's actually being controlled by this guy called the puppet master and he basically like kind of makes a clay uh, uh model of someone and that person becomes his puppet like a kind of voodoo thing so he ends up seeing what's going on and he sees thing and he kind of makes a puppet of him then he says um uh things talking to um mr fantastic and he says ah oh, let me in your let me in your um uh lab and he's like no i'm not letting you in the lab and he's like go on and he's like no look, you can't come in and then meanwhile the kind of puppet master activates the voodoo and he goes come here come here and then he brings so he uh Thing walks off and then uh, is followed by uh, the Invisible Woman, and they go to the um, Puppet Master's house. She kind of follows him, uh, but she's invisible. And the woman—I've forgotten her name. I think her name is Sue. No, it's not her name. It's not Sue. What's her name? Alicia. Alicia. Uh, yeah, says like, um, uh, I think there's someone here, and he's like, Nah, there's not someone here. He's she's like, blind as well, so she senses her. She's blind. Yes. Well, I've just learned so I didn't know she was blind. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm sure she's blind. I mean, she's that, like, that makes... yeah, I can sense someone in the room, and then obviously he's like, obviously he treats her like dirt. Yeah, he's a stepdaughter. He's like, oh, don't call me father. Oh, I'm your stepfather. Father. Oh, that was brutal, wasn't it? Okay. Like, yeah. How many times I gotta tell you? You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, stepfather. He goes, okay. He's like, you know what? I don't I don't care what you think, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take your instinct on this one. And if there is someone, I'm just gonna put Sleep sleeping gas. gas, yeah. Yeah, it knocks her out. And anyway, that's kind of like the end of episode two, right? Uh sorry, episode one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the I really liked the um the version, the live action version, the one that was made like years ago. Um I thought that was really good. Um superhero start like i think we've I said hundreds of times before in this um podcast that the start of a superhero movie is always the best bit for me i love the start and how they became the superheroes uh right so i'm just going to quickly whiz through this thing so i can see so basically at this oh no that's the intro um so basically this guy's now making uh there's a print it cuts to a prison and um they're in this like maximum security, unbreakable, out of a ball prison, um, and but little does he know that they got the what the prisoners have actually been have their models done. So the puppet master is trying to make them break out of prison to be the, his kind of minions. 
he starts to jailbreak whilst there's a, a news report going on. Um, then what he does is he kind of like because he's like controlling um thing, and then he dresses up his stepdaughter in um Invisible Woman's clothes, and he sends them back to the house, um, Baxter Building. Obviously, when when they open the door, they're like, "Oh, it's fine." And then he starts to like bend Ben, and he starts to smash him up. And then Mr. Fantastic kind of knocks him into this like big old jar, and which is why he wasn't letting him in the lab before. It turns out that it's a kind of tonic to make him human again. Because um, he's the only one in. I'm not sure what happened, but he's in the film. He's the one that's exposed to the most radiation, um, which made him the um, the most kind of grotesque in, in appearance. And he doesn't like his appearance. Everyone else is human form, but just has superpowers. Um, uh, so he's human again. Um, they get in a big spaceship. So the, the puppet master sees the warden because they've got like a gate that can't be broken down. So they, he sees the warden on telly and he kind of like makes a quick clay drawing of him and then, and then he makes him push the the get out of uh, jail free button on his on his remote control. But then the prisoners take him captive. Um, so then Invisible Woman tries to escape but gets stopped by um, Puppet Master, then uh, the Fantastic Four basically go and rescue her. And he, they, she gets rescued. She, after some battle, she falls through the sky and she gets saved by um, Johnny, right? That's his name, Johnny, uh, Human Torch. Um, then they go to get the prison thing. So whilst the prison breaks happening, they have to rescue the reporter and they have to rescue the the warden. Um, and it's basically like superhero saves the day kind of thing, but it's quite a cool scene. I really liked it. Like, you know, they kind of have to figure out a plan, um, thing and, um, Johnny smash through the, smash through the mountain and then come up through the floor. Uh, and then Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman are kind of over the top. Um, then, then they go and see the blind lady and, I think she has a thing for thing, right? She likes him. She thinks like they, so they've kind of got love, kind of love love thing going on there. Uh, so he goes and sees her, and then the puppet master comes to her house, and then um, thing rescues her again, and then they make five million dollars. Oh, from the telethon because he keeps threatening them. Yeah, he's he's going around threatening them with a pile of books. Yeah, and I kind of blasted through that. Um, that's mostly my fault because I didn't write the notes down after the first third of the um, episode. But do you know what? Actually, I know I kind of gave it a little bit of a stick, but when I was reading back and I was like, actually, this was okay. That was um, it was a pretty good TV show. Um, again, not oh, much the puppet like... master goes missing because he falls off the building. Oh yeah, he he falls out of the building. And he just disappears into thin air, right? Go on, you you say because you're way better. No, yeah, that was yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was um, that's I think that's the only thing you kind of did. Um, yeah, the only other episode I watched was uh, Hopelessly Impossible, which I found hopelessly impossible to impossible. Well, it's not quite like that, but um, it was hopelessly impossible to keep up with because there was so much things happening. I was so confused. (laughs) So I'm just gonna try. I'm gonna read off my notes, and then I hope that they make sense. So um. Apparently, there's a Doctor Do who kidnaps Sue to trap the Fantastic Four, or Doctor Doom. They seem to be fighting enemies. Ben ends up fighting a Mistress of the Night. I wrote it must be a clip show because there seems to be so many things happening. Then you see um, Ben or Thing fighting Hulk. 
and then Reed is helping Ben Arrow blowtorch, but it's not blowtorch, it's human torch escape. And yeah, human torch ends up meeting a girl called No, he meets um he meets Pop Up and then he meets a girl called Crystal and she finds out that he's uh one of the like fantastic four or like he's got superpowers so they take a, a liking to each other and she's like you know what come and meet my family and then johnny's like whoa these are like all my enemies and then they're like right y'all can't date or whatever and then crystal and johnny want to be yeah together but both sides are against it johnny ends up saving crystal from the baddies but someone is watching them and they have to run. The Fantastic Four save Johnny, but they're going after Crystal, and that's all I've got. I mean, it was such a confusing episode. It's, it's. I, I was, I tried like to make it make sense. So I basically think it's Johnny and Crystal meeting up together, and everyone's against it, and then they end up fighting one another, and so on and so forth. That was incredibly confusing, and it almost put me off the the show because i'm like what the hell is this like at least have something that makes sense because that that didn't make sense at all so uh yeah apologies for that and uh yeah that was the um the only episode i uh watched of that other than that but um i mean look apart from that incredibly confusing rundown of that episode i i did like fantastic four I did like it. I thought it was pretty decent. I enjoyed it very much, at least the first two episodes that I watched. So uh, there's that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty decent show. Obviously, it's well animated, and it's Marvel, Stanley. It's got so much behind it that's like, you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's incredible. I think yeah. even if you're like, you know, at, you know, heart hearts, we all know that like DC versus Marvel, you know, obviously it's a massive thing. I'm firmly I mean, the thing is i love batman it's my favorite cartoon but let's face it dc didn't do much else that was that good superman was rubbish even the reboots um were, were, were rubbish so um marvel's got all the cool superheroes and you know just coming with that brand marvel fantastic four great movie anyway uh, great tv show yeah right so we have to pick between thundercats and fantastic four Right, I'm going to go, um, definitely going to pick um, Thundercats as my winner. Uh, because I, even though I didn't watch it, I knew of it. And the toys and the sword, like swords are like, basically, if you've got a sword in it, that's my TV show. So um, I like the sword uh, and I thought it was really cool. I liked both of the um, the, the first one and the and the reboot in 2011. So I, there was really not... Not not many points taken off for the show. Maybe a tad in the length, but apart from that, it was great. I was going to say Fantastic Four until that hopelessly impossible episode, because it just completely <laughs> threw me off on a loop. So for that reason, I'm going to say Fantastic Four because you know what? It had a structure. It had a plan. They kind of knew what they were doing. They kind of had a, an idea of what they wanted to uh, show us or portray. So. You know what? If you do the basic stuff right, then hopefully everything else will take care of itself. And that's why I think Thundercats did very, very well. And yeah, I'm going to say Thundercats as well. Ooh, same one. 
Yes. So uh, there you go. Right, main event time. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Been waiting, to, wanting to talk about this for ages now. So uh, glad we're doing it. And this came out in December 1987. And uh, some of the things happening in the world. The Intermediate Ranger Nuclear Forces Treaty is signed in Washington, D.C. by U.S. President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev. It later expires in 2019. Robert Mugabe was elected president of Zimbabwe. Ron Hextel, keeper for the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team, becomes the first goalkeeper to score a goal. Good morning, Vietnam was in the cinemas. A young Kylie Minogue makes her debut in the charts with I Should Be So Lucky. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Yeah, I know this one. Ah, oh, there we go. Three for three. Yeah, this I think this was her first single. I think this was when she first like burst onto the scene. So uh and still going on strong, I think, to this day. So uh You go, Kylie Minogue, you go. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So this was four fictional teenage superhero anthropomorphic mutant turtles. Named after Italian Renaissance artists, they were trained by their anthropomorphic rat sensei in the Japanese martial arts of ninjutsu. From their home in the sewers of New York City, they battle petty criminals, evil warlords, mutated creatures, and alien invaders while attempting to remain hidden from society. They were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. The characters originated in comic books published by Mirage Studios and expanded into cartoon series, films, video games, toys, and other merchandise. During the peak of the franchise's popularity in the late 80s and early 90s, it gained worldwide access and fame. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles first appeared in an American comic book published by Mirage Studios in 1984. The concept arose from a humorous drawing sketched out by Eastman during a casual evening of brainstorming and bad television. Using money from a tax refund together with a loan from Eastman's uncle, the young artist self-published a single-issue comic intended to parody four of the most popular comics of the early 1980s, Marvel Comics' Daredevil and New Mutants, Dave Sims' Cerebus and Frank Miller's Ronin. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book series has been published in various incarnations since 1984. The Turtles engaged in a greater amount of overt violence in the pages of the early Mirage comic book series by Eastman and Laird. As the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were introduced into the mainstream, they were radically redesigned in issue 19 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The creators published an editorial addressing any possible concerns of readers as a result of this. And it stated in part, we've allowed the wacky side to happen and enjoy it very much. All the while, though, we've kept the originals very much ours. 40 pages of what we enjoy and want to see in our books, whether it comes from our own hands or from those of the talented people we work with. And in the films, Turtles Forever, the original... Mirage Turtles referred to their counterparts in the 1987 cartoon series and the 2003 cartoon series as sellouts. In reference to their colourful accessories, 
the originals were conveyed in black and white. Upon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' first arrival in the United Kingdom, the name was changed to Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Since the BBC deemed the word ninja to have excessively violent connotations for a children's program, consequently, everything related to the turtles was renamed before being released in the UK as well as various other European countries. The lyrics were also changed, such as changing Splinter taught them to be ninja teens to Splinter taught them to be fighting teens. God, we have to ruin everything, don't we, British people? we got to ruin everything. Things we, yeah, we, we don't do too well, even when we do do stuff like that as well. <laughs> the policies also had other effects, such as editing out the use of Michelangelo's nunchaku, which were at the time banned by James Furman, who was chairman of the BBFC, and generally toning down the usage of all Turtles' weapons, the showrunners elected to remove Michelangelo's nunchaku entirely during season four, replacing them with a grappling hook called the Turtle Line that served as Mikey's signature weapon for the rest of the show's run. Yeah, so the TV series is set in New York City and it follows the adventures of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their allies as they battle the Shredder, Krang and numerous other villains and criminals. The property was changed considerably from a darker toned comic to make it more suitable for children and family. The show helped launch the characters into mainstream popularity and became one of the most popular animated series in TV history. Action figures, breakfast cereals, plush toys and other merch featured the char- featuring the characters appeared on the market during the late 80s and early 90s and became top sellers worldwide. IGN named TMNT or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as the 55th best show in the top 100 best animated TV show, while the story diverged heavily from the original conception of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with the universe of the original Mirage comics. The 1987 TV series is the largely the most notable and popular incarnation and drove the franchise to the phenomenal status it would achieve in popular culture. Co-creator Peter Laird has publicly shared his distaste with the show on numerous occasions, but has also acknowledged that it was extremely successful with and beloved by its audience. And while he would have preferred a different approach to the material, it might not have been as popular as what was produced. Retroactively, the crossover films Turtles Forever established a common multiverse continuity between all Teenage Mutant and Ninja Turtles variations that existed at the time of the 25th anniversary of the original Mirage comic books primarily focusing on this series and those of the 2003 animated series. Therefore, while not part of the original canon of the Mirage Turtles, the series can be considered part of the wider official Turtles canon. At the time, the series was criticized by various groups for its violent content and commercialism. The extensive line of toys and other licensed products attracted criticism. The Australian Council for Children's Films and TV accused the show of being a 30-minute toy commercial. Now, can you tell the turtles apart? What, in terms of their colours? Yeah. Go on then. Uh, Michelangelo's the orange one. Uh, Donatello's the purple one. Raphael's the red one. And Leonardo's the blue one. Ah, there you go. You have definitely improved on characters. I will say that. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the thing is, I I liked the turtles as a kid, so um, 
Raphael was definitely my favourite with the daggers. Then it was like uh, Leonardo with the swords. Donatello, I don't even know why he had a stick. Um, yeah, and then... Yeah, so a quick rundown of the characters before I let you go on. Leonardo, yes, the blue mask turtle who wields two kata- katana. Katanas. He is the leader and commander of the turtles and is closest to Splinter. He is the most serious, level-headed member of the team who values his leadership. Donatello, the purple mask turtle who wields a bow staff. He is the scientist and intellectual of the team who is constantly tinkering with various inventions. Raphael, the red mask turtle who wields a two-sai. Although Raphael is depicted as angry, impulsive, and violent in most other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles media, he's the comedian of the team who often comes out with sarcastic and witty remarks in the 1987 series. Michelangelo is the orange, sometimes yellow mask turtle who wields a pair of nunchakus, which is later changed to a grappling hook. He is the goofy, fun-loving party animal of the team who often speaks in surface slang and is a source of many of the show's catchphrases such as Kawabunga, Hamato Yoshi, or Master Splinter, is a strict and wizened sensei who used to teach Oroku Saki until the latter set him up for an offense towards his master, which he did not commit and was exiled from the Foot Clan. Since then, he has lived in the sewers of Manhattan as a homeless man with the rats and his four pet turtles as his only friends. So, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right, so first of all, um, just quickly before I say it, um, plot hole is that I don't believe that ninjas had katanas. I think that was the samurai, right? I'm pretty sure the samurai had the samurai swords, which were the katanas, um, and ninjas didn't fight with them. Um, Anyway, also, I've actually just debunked another myth. So I thought that they were tortoises the whole time, and I was a bit like, eh, nee, nee, actually tortoises. And this, uh. Anyway, so I've actually looked up, apparently tortoises are turtles. They're just like a kind of different species of Why would turtle. they not be turtles? Because they've got feet, not fins. I saw a video online, right? It's not very funny, but... Of someone putting a, it was like setting the tortoise free, and they put it in the water, and it can't swim. It's just sunk to the bottom. Um, anyway, that's not um, funny at all. No, that's what I said. It's not funny. Won't they die? Yeah, if if you don't get them out, obviously. But they, it's just like putting me or you in water for that long with a big, uh, with a big like um, weight on your back. Um, uh, the turtles, though. I have I have to say that what this is one of the shows that was like super cool as a kid. That like, I loved this. I loved this show as a kid. Don't know about didn't know if you watched it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did um I did watch it. I remember it used to come on really early in the morning, like really early. It'd be like literally the first thing that comes on like at six or seven o'clock on CBBC, I think, on the CBC breakfast show before school. I just remember watching this very, very, very first thing. So I know I think Channel Four used to show cartoons really early in the morning and i think yeah biker mice on mars would come on i would if i would wake up i'd be like oh my god just hurry up and finish and then it'd be teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah i remember i remember having like the lunch boxes toys and everything of this show it was one of those things that was like kind of like a craze if you like i think um everyone had toys lunch boxes i'm not sure what else though was um i know you mentioned a few before but i mean what we actually were allowed at school um uh but yeah i mean it was a great show when i was a kid and i have to say like most of it's pretty damn good now as well um 
I didn't realize it went on for so long. Like there was like I watched like the last episode of series ten or something like that, which was a different theme tune, which I was a bit sad about because I, everyone says when you talk about turtles, they'll start singing you the theme tune, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja. Yeah, and, and you know everyone loves that theme tune, but the the latest one didn't have it. I was a bit yeah. I was waiting for the heroes in a half shell. Turtle power. Turtle power. Yeah, they didn't say anything. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I was waiting for that. <laughs> what, what, what's up with that? But um, hmm. Okay, look. I mean, again, this is a cartoon that had massive cult status. I mean, I I liked it. I really, really did. I'm not gonna say I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja. I'm not saying I'm like totally obsessed with it. But um, yeah, I thought it was pretty yeah i thought it was good when i was growing up and yeah i thought it was pretty good now i found myself enjoying it i wasn't clock watching or anything like that i wasn't thinking oh my god when when this gonna finish when's this gonna stop or whatever i wasn't i wasn't really at all thinking that i thought it was yeah i thought it was good i like the characters some of the jokes were quite funny um yeah, I, 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 I liked it. I thought it, I thought it was um thought it was pretty good. So uh I don't I don't think it aged particularly well though. I'm not sure how you felt, especially the first episode. I thought it was fine. Um, I didn't yeah, like I said, I, I did I didn't think I didn't like watch it and think, Oh my god, it's aged horribly well. I didn't I didn't I didn't think that actually, that it aged. I thought it was fine. I had no problems with it. Normally of cartoons of this uh of this ilk and of this nature, I would think, oh my God, this is so horrible. And Did you notice who Raphael was as well? So basically Raphael, uh, the voice of Raphael in the original first series has voiced almost every character you could ever think of on, um, in, in cartoons. Uh, in, most recently, obviously that we've watched, I think is the Animaniacs. He was, um, he's Yako's voice. Um, and I, I just have a look at the IMDb page of this guy. He has done. I was scrolling for a long time through his CV, um, and it's so impressive the voices. But then, because it was driving me crazy, like if I hear something, I can't concentrate on the episode, so I had to stop watching it, go on IMDb, check it out, and yeah, I had a good old scroll through the um, through the list of credits. Right, so episodes. I only watched two again. I watched the last episode and the first episode. So like like episode like was it season was it season twenty was that was that right season twenty ten season ten season ten and the last episode on that list and I watched the first yeah I watched episode, the first like, episode and the last episode but I watched an episode in between that so uh... maybe I'll, I'll I'll do the first one and maybe we'll fill in the gaps for each other as well so April is the um, she's a TV reporter and there's lots of science stuff that's gone missing. And basically, um, she's she's kind of doing. She's in. I can't say this word. It's really hard to say. It's investigative reporter. Investigative reporter. Yeah, yeah, that word. I can't. I I literally can't say that word. So, um, anyway, so she's looking into this, and basically, she gets like threatened by these kind of goons, if you like, and she runs away and she hides down a sewer. Now, that's not the first place I would hide, but and also, right, do these places actually exist, like the sewers and that? Because Yes. Are they like that? Are they like that? They're not in this country, though, right? I wouldn't know. I think there is because obviously you have like people who go in the sewers, clean out the fatbergs. I don't know, but I think it might not be such a, a thing as it is in America, where it's like a whole 
underground system, but I do think there is some kind of like. But isn't that quite of... cool? Like, having a whole underground like little no thing That's... because it was oh. smell. If it wasn't, if yeah. it wasn't, <laughs> if it wasn't, yeah, I know it smelled, but if it didn't smell, it'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. But then, of course, that's you say that about lots of things. Um. Anyway, so uh, she hides in the thing, and then she sort of meets the turtles in there, and then they kind of like tell her the turtle and Genesis she story when she sees them. She's like, "What the hell's going on?" And then she comes in, and then sees a rat trying to offer her food and drink, and she faints again. She faints again. And she's like, "Hey, can you stop fainting?" <laughs> uh. So basically, Splinter was a ninja, and. The like the kind of grandmaster came to visit, but there's this bad ninja who was like in the in the camp kind of thing, and he planted a sword on him. Uh, he planted a sword on Splinter because he thought like he wanted him out. He was a leader of this particular group, and he wanted him out. So when the grandmaster came, uh, he planted a sword on him, and then I'm sure this was like trashy American voiceovers, but it was like, what did he? Oh, what did he say to him? He's like, um, uh, like kick his backside out or something but in a really bad japanese accent um oh when when he did the trick is it when they're when they're in back in japan or whatever and he puts the hook in because obviously they all have to bow down and then he has the hook so he obviously can't because he's stuck i did i thought i thought that was quite funny actually yeah but then they did the accent when they when they when the grandmaster kicked him out of the place oh yeah so yeah he's dishonored I did, but that, but that was that was great. Where he's just he's like hooked on like that, so he's like, I, I can't move, and then and then he had the sword behind him as well. The, the, yeah, and then so obviously he realizes what it is, so he's just like, and he's like, oh, whoa, what are you doing? Yeah. So basically, he gets he gets kicked out, and he has to live in a sewer. Then someone drops these turtles down the sewer, uh, and then he finds them, and he kind of looks after them, and they're his friends. And then he's he finds them playing one day in this like radioactive spill thing, and it turns them. So this is a little bit of a plot hole as well. So it turns them into the last animal they're in contact with. So the look, the turtles were last in contact with a human, so they turn into a human. And Splinter turns into a rat because he was holding turtles. Bit weird. No, but he but lives with rats, holder. doesn't he? Yeah, I know, but he was holding the turtles. But because I think he was more associated with rats. I don't think I don't think the holding the animal is too important. Oh, it's just what you what you were with. Oh, your nature kind of thing. And I think with him it's more rat than turtle. Turtles. So April thinks that the turtles stole the science stuff and they convince her that not and to stay until they find out what's going on, as long as she doesn't shop them in. So uh they go out into the street and they find a clue to an oh, when they get onto the street, the uh, this old lady like pulls a gun on them straight away because she thinks that they're monsters. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting them to like run off or something, but she literally just pulls like a like a Tommy gun out of her bag. Um and April goes and gets gets some clothes, so they kind of wear this like overcoat and hat. Uh, it turns out the ninja pizza clue that they found in the thing was like a franchise and it's like basically it's a mafia place. So like there's ninja this, ninja that, ninja uh what's it called? Ninja Pizzeria, Ninja um uh, laundrette, ninja bank, ninja whatever it is. Anyway, uh, basically, ninjas. Uh, the sh- the shredder guy is, is the bad ninja from before, and he's in this huge hideout, um, which is like really high tech hideout in under the floor. Um, and then they're going to the, so they're going to the cream. He, he's watching them. Sorry, on like CCTV and stuff. So they go in and they order whipped cream pizza, which was weird. 
Um, and April go, finds out who the baddies are. She kind of goes off, finds out who the baddies are, because they're like, oh, yeah, let's go into this place and steal little science stuff. And she gets captured. Uh, Turtles go outside and they find her press card and the purse and stuff like that. And they find her. I like when they say, oh, is it a threatening note? And it's like, no, it's the check. It's the bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they go, so they go out and they fight the, they fight the goons, but the goons are robots. Uh, they go into the building and end up finding this thing called the Technodome, which is where the baddies' lair is, like Shredder's lair. Um, and then they, so to get rid of them, they flood the place and then they have to run away and they go onto the roof and climb on another building. Um, so they take the uniforms to Splinter and he said it's the Rolu Saki and then they eat pizza and that's the end of the episode. I'll just do a quick summary of the, all of the seasons then I'll talk about my season three and then we'll talk about the finale. So, um, yeah, so the origins of the TV series kind of deviate significantly from the original comics. And in this version, Splinter was formerly human, an honorable ninja master named Hamato Yoshi, who studied art history as a hobby. He was banished from the Foot Clan, a dynasty of ninjas founded by one of his distant ancestors after one of the students, Oroku Saki who resented Yoshi's leadership within the clan, set him up for an offense against the visiting master sensei, and then, yeah, disgraced, forced to leave his native Japan. Everything that you've just said, and it becomes clear early on in the series that the mutagen, which transforms the turtles of Splinter into their new forms, were dumped into the sewers by Shredder in an effort to murder Yoshi, as he had mistakenly believed it to be a deadly poison rather than a transformative agent. After several years of training under Splinter, the Turtles set to find whoever is responsible for their transformation. And upon learning that Shredder was behind it, they vowed to put an end to his ongoing criminal career and restore Splinter back to its human form. Along the way, they rescue and befriend April O'Neil. And she becomes one of their friends and strongest allies. And they had rarely left the sewers prior to meeting April, but they began to take on a role of semi-vigilant crime fighters. Shredder, Krang, Bebop, and Ro Rocksteady, and Baxter Stockman are, and their legion of foot soldiers repeatedly try to destroy the Turtles and take over the world. Much of their quest for world domination hinges on repowering Krang's mobile fortress, the Technodrome, and it bringing it to the Earth's surface as it was either buried deep under New York City, stuck in Dimension X, embedded in the Earth's core, stranded in the Arctic, in the Arctic, or the bottom of the Arctic Ocean. However, their plans always fail, often landing the villains in humorous predicaments. Some episodes feature other minor villains such as the Rat King, Leverhead, Slash, General Trag, and Graniter, and many others involving the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, getting themselves and the city out of a mess that they had inadvertently caused. I watched an episode from season three, I think it was, Turtles on Trial. So, Raphael, Donatello, and Leonardo are watching wrestling. Michelangelo comes on, and he wants to watch a show called On Trial. Little do they know that this show and their host, what was his name? Something Kellerman. Uh, Clayton Kellerman, the host of On Trial. He's talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and he wants them to be hunted down because they're mutant ninjas and they're causing trouble all over the town. 
So April is gets them human face masks, and Krang is basically shouting at a Craig Dreg, and he wants them to destroy the turtles, and he wants to destroy the turtles. So they end up getting out of their masks because they hear a robbery opposite the pizza place. And then while they're saving the, while they're stopping the bad guys, they meet a mob of people who are like, get out of town, get out of town, you idiots, get out of town. And so they're like to April, you know what? You should get us booked on the show on trial. And Krang was like, this would be my perfect opportunity to trap them. And I want them to suffer. And they're feeling quite nervous about everything. So they want to do the interview via satellite. And so the sensei is telling Leonardo about the museum breaking. And so they go into the museum and they defeat the bad guys. But the TV show films the turtles just walking around a smashed up museum. And Krang wants them. And then basically I think Saki traps him. They trap the turtles. And he's like, you know what? I've got you bang to rights. But then Krang is like, you know what? You have to let them go right now because they're mine. You're not allowed to touch them. Let them go. And so they're getting ready for their TV interview. Michelangelo is really nervous about it. And the Turtles, they get really nervous. And they're like completely messing up the interview. Krang comes in to attack the studio. There's a massive fight scene and they end up saving Kellerman. But you know, he's uh, I'm going to still say all this bad stuff about you because, hey, it's show business, kid. It's show business. And and because of that, their name is in the mud because I think April was supposed to record, but it didn't quite work out. Before we go on to the finale, seasons 8 and 10, the show went through dramatic changes. The show's humor was turned down significantly. The animation became darker. The colour of the sky in each episode was changed to a continuous, ominous, dark red sky. The theme song was changed. The introduction sequence changed, added in clips from the first live action film. And the show took on a darker, more action-oriented atmosphere. The turtle's demeanour evolved into a more serious and determined one in their prior seasons. And they devoted most of the time to tracking down the villains. So, uh, you want to take it away with the finale? Yeah, so, um, finale. So, obviously, the first thing you notice is the theme tune with, like, the live-action turtles and stuff coming in there. So, the aliens, basically, aliens keep coming and smashing them up and then they disappear. Um, and it turns out that like, this is kind of like a sport by aliens. And they, like, like they, have I, hopefully this is the right one, right? Um, they they come in, they smash them up, and then they go away again. Um, and it turns out that Michelangelo has a uh, transmitter on him, and that's what how they keep kind of like teleporting directly on them. Uh, another alien comes, um, and the baddie has an idea. And I was like, "Put a splinter isn't human here, but a splinter's not even in it at this point, right?" So Lord Dreg only wants to kill the turtles. He doesn't care about this Earth invasion. Uh, so basically, there's two two. Uh, Missed so many notes here. So why have I? I think it starts with um, basically all these random aliens trying to attack the turtles, and then whoever manages to do it gets rewarded. Yeah, if they can last ninety seconds or more, right? Um, and it turns out that basically Lord Dreg wants to destroy the turtles at all costs. So basically, they're planning for an Earth invasion, but he decides that he cares more about smashing up the um, turtles than he does um, getting that. So. He... 
Um, he kind of he makes this makes this exoskeleton. He absorbs all the power of the the, the the winners of this kind of challenge, and he absorbs them into himself. So he's like really really powerful. So they lose out there. Um, so then he decides that he's going to go off and fight the turtles, and he makes himself big, and the turtles have to run away. Uh, they hide in the sewer, but a baddie like smashes his hands down into the sewer, like grabs hold of them. So right at the beginning, uh, Splinter's trying to teach him this trick where they grab hold of, um, they grab onto someone's back kind of thing. Um, that's important later. So that's their move that they have to learn. So um, uh, Splinter <clears throat> says to them, if a hermit crab wants to impress his enemy, it changes its shell to a bigger one. So they need to go to this, to get an exoskeleton and they need to go in some portal. Drake decides he's going to go and kidnap April as like kind of bait. Um Donatello and Michelangelo go to the other dimension to get the exoskeleton, whilst Raphael and Leonardo go to get April. But it's a trap, but they can't go, even though they maybe it's a trap. Um, but they manage to escape with her. Uh, Michelangelo don't get the android body. They have a fight in a junkyard. Um, and then they get a claw. The claw grabs hold of the, the baddie, and then they use a claw so they grab the claw and they push him into the other dimension with this claw attached to him so because when when um was it Raphael and Donatello no Michelangelo so Raphael and Leonardo when they come back when they come back through the portal having not got the exoskeleton so the um the android body that they were looking for uh to defeat the baddie the portal becomes unstable and will um go really small really quickly and then explode so or something they brought back with them. So they, they, they grab they grab hold of the baddie, they push him through the thing, and then it goes small and explodes and the baddie uh dies. So when they get back and they have their kind of debrief with um with uh Splinter, he says, um he says to them, You have no sensei anymore. Oh they 'cause they call him sensei, it's like they have no sensei anymore because the sen- sensei is like a guide, um and you don't need any guide and there's no one above you anymore, um and you're the best there is kind of thing. So he's basically saying that I don't want to train you anymore. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here because you don't need me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they, they, you could see that they changed a lot of it. I think it was partly to try and keep it as fresh as possible because, yeah, this went on for a long time, almost 10 years. So they had to find ways to just keep freshening it up and keep keep going i think that kind of helped with the popularity maybe it was on demand because obviously if people love it and they were like right we want more of this we want more 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 so you can you can see why it lasted for so long and yeah i mean i i any last words about this show no, I mean, obviously, the Turtles is the Turtles, isn't it? It'll always be very, very, very iconic. I think, like, even for, for kids coming up now, they see the Turtles. It's super cool. It's got Turtles with ninjas, like Ninja Turtles. Like, what's cooler than a Ninja Turtle, you know? Um, in reality, is it as fun to watch as an adult? Probably not. But, you know, it'll always have that special place in my heart because it's, because it's the Turtles, and I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, and... Yeah, I'm I'm glad that I wasn't particularly bored or I didn't think it was great. Like I I liked it as a kid. I still like it now. I didn't have any problems with any of it. I didn't think it it aged badly. I thought it I thought it was just fine as it was. So I had no complaints about that. 
as you said, it's incredibly iconic. Went on for forever and ever, so it kind of spanned throughout the 80s and the 90s. So it naturally would gain cult status. And yeah, as a kid, it's probably the coolest thing in the world, seeing four of these turtle guys who are just doing all these cool karate moves. Like you said, yeah, is it going to be cool, me being 30-year-old, 32-year-old? Nah. But um, yeah, as, as a child, I thought it was good, and I thought it held up reasonably well too so um that's all i have to say and uh yeah i'll uh, bring it to an end um yesterday's capers is available wherever you get your uh, podcast from go onto your um podcast platform and download it from there give us a like give us a share subscribe comment do all of those things keep on listening and uh you can find us on the socials you can find us on uh, Instagram at Yesterday's Capers One. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. YouTube is youtube.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. And providing it's not bugging out, you should be able to access Yesterday's Capers on there. You can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. On Twitter, it's Abdullah Molim. All one word. Give me a follow. Give me a shout. And uh, join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. <laughs>